We are all here because God has been faithful. And we rejoice and thank God. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Right in the middle of five awesome miracles that Jesus performed, he said six words that every one of us need to hear and need to make a foundation for our life. Mark chapter 5, we have the miracle of Jesus casting the legion of demons out of the man in the tombs of the Gadarenes. Awesome miracle. Then we have the miracle of the healing of the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And then also in that fifth chapter, we have the healing or the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. So three awesome miracles. In that fifth chapter, somebody had come running and said to Jairus, it's no use you or, your, or Jesus to hurry. Your daughter has already died. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, now this is for you, do not be afraid, only believe. Six words. But just think how many times we need to hear the still small voice of the Lamb of God saying, listen, do not be afraid, only believe. You know, for 67 months, when we go to our new building on September the 8th, we will have been meeting here for 67 months, which is a little over five years. And you know, I, I, I think about when, how we began a group of scattered sheep that had been scattered across the city and not only many were scattered sheep, but wounded sheep. And I think how God over 67 months has made us into a loving, caring, worshiping body of believers. I give God glory and I give him praise for what he has done. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous to behold. But September the 8th, in many ways, we want to build on the foundation that God has laid these 67 months. And I believe it's a good foundation, not a perfect foundation, but a good foundation. We've come so far. And we want to build on it. But as I thought about the days ahead, if Jesus doesn't come back, and he could any minute, there are two things that I long to see God do at Luke 4.18. As we begin a new, a new part of our journey on September the 8th. Number one, I long to see a greater manifestation of the presence and power 
of God. What makes the church the church is the presence and power of God. That when people gather, there's within their spirit, surely the Lord is in this place. And so we need to join our hearts in prayer that we'll see a greater manifestation of the presence and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what Luke 4.18 is all about. It's about the manifested presence of Jesus, saving the lost, healing the brokenhearted, delivering the captives, giving sight to the blind, setting liberty to the oppressed. It's all about the manifested presence of Jesus. And so that our name will be more than a name. But the second thing is that I'm praying that we will see in the days to come is a great multitude of people who come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and will follow him in believer's baptism, confessing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to be the passion of our heart, that we would see multitudes find life in Jesus Christ. And so we need to pray for the manifestation, the presence and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pray for a great harvest of people who come to a genuine salvation experience in the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about the first one, the manifestation of the presence and power of Jesus, I kind of thought about this. You know, and and I know you do too, but you know, I believe in miracles. I, I just believe in miracles. I believe Jehovah is a miracle working God. And it's, I just long to see when God does that which only can be explained as God. And so I'm just praying, Lord, as a part of your manifestation of your presence and power, that we would see you working miracles in our midst. You know, in Mark chapter 5, we got three great miracles. And you know, the Bible builds faith in your heart. When you read the Word of God and you see what Jesus has done in the past and in the present, what it does, it builds faith in your heart about God can, what Jesus did in Mark 5, Jesus can do again this morning, tomorrow, and until he comes back. And it just encourages us to get out of our comfort zone and to start saying, well, God, I want to believe you for miracles. I just want to, I I mean, you haven't changed, Jehovah. You're the everlasting God, and you change not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, God, we we, we just long to see the manifested power of Jesus as he works in our midst. But you know, as I thought about this, I'd never really thought about this before. Miracles make a lot of people uncomfortable. They really do. 
It, it is very interesting. In Mark 5, after Jesus had cast the demons out of the man in the tombs, that they, and, and, and by the way, he cast them into the, to the swine, and they ran off into the lake and drowned. But after Jesus had performed that great miracle, they went back to town and told the people, and the people came out to see what Jesus had done. And here was the, uh, the man clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And they told them the story of what Jesus had done. And listen to what it says in the fifth chapter. It says, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, wait a minute. I wouldn't be begging Jesus to leave. Man, I'd be begging Jesus to stay. But they began to plead with him to leave their area. Can I ask you a question? Why, why do miracles make us uncomfortable sometimes? Why are we uncomfortable with miracles? Well, I, I'm going to give you four reasons. And I've had every, experienced every one of them. One of the reasons that we become uncomfortable when God does the mirac mirac miraculous is we do not understand them and we can't control them. You know, it's just human nature to want to be in control. It's human nature to want to be able to understand and explain everything. Well, when you get in a position that you don't understand everything and you can't explain everything and you can't control everything, hey, it makes you uncomfortable. In chapter 5, uh, verse 17, uh, 15 through 17, I just read it, it said, and they... When they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed, the one who had had the legion, sitting and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. Now, in other words, this was the guy that, that, that had been in the tombs, and I'll talk a little bit about him later. But th this was the guy that everybody knew because he screamed and hollered at night in the tombs. And, but they came, and they saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus, and they were afraid. Why? They couldn't explain it. And they certainly couldn't control it. They tried everything they could. And so because of that, they begged Jesus to leave. You know, I tell you, sometimes we feel uncomfortable when God does the miraculous because we don't understand it and we can't, can't control it. You know, there's another reason miracles sometimes make us uncomfortable. And that is... We cannot explain the miracle apart from God. It goes beyond reason. It goes beyond logic. It goes beyond the natural. It's the supernatural. Now, you know, <laughs> I like to be able to reason everything out. I like for everything to be logical. I like to have an answer for everything. But that's not the way it is with miracles. And the reason it makes many people uncomfortable is they can't explain this apart from God. I mean, the only way you can explain it is, the only way they could explain that man 
clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. The only way they could explain that, whether they believed or didn't believe, was look what Jesus did. You know, in, in Matthew 13, verses 53, I want you to listen. The reason Jesus did not work many miracles in, uh, in his hometown was because they tried to explain it away. In, in, cha- in chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 53, listen to this now. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue. He went to his hometown of Nazareth. He taught them in the synagogue. And they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom? And how does he do these mighty works? They wanted to understand it. And listen how they're reasoned. Well, isn't this the carpenter's son? I knew his daddy. I knew his mother. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary? And by the way, I went to school with his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters. Were they not all with us? They said, where, where did you, where, where's Jesus coming from here? Where did he get all this wisdom? And how in the world can he do these mighty works that he's doing? And they begin to say, well, he grew up here, and I knew his mama, and I knew his daddy, and I knew his sisters, and I knew his brothers. So, and and look, listen to this. So they were offended at him. Now, that's amazing. They were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, listen to this. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Of all the cities, he probably did less in his hometown than any other place. Why? They were uncomfortable with the miraculous. And see, so many times, you know, if, 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 we, can't, uh, if we can't control it, and, and, and uh, if we don't understand it and can't control it, then it makes us nervous. And, and then, you know, uh, if we can't explain it by reason or logic, then, then it, it makes us uncomfortable. And uh, see, the only way you can explain the miraculous is God. God himself. That's the only way you can do it. So it puts you back on God. And say, man, this God that they preach about is real. This God that they preach about is alive. This God they talk about is doing awesome things in the world in which we live. And see, you've got to come to grips with the miraculous that God is who he says he is. There's another reason. Uh, that um, people get nervous or get uh, are uncomfortable with the miraculous. When it manifest, when God manifests His power, it convicts them of their own sin and their need for God. You know how I know that. This thing takes on a whole new light for me. Over in Luke chapter five, when Jesus, the disciples, had been fishing all night. And had not caught anything. And, uh, and Jesus got into one of the boats. It says in Luke 5, 3. 
and, and which was Simon's, and, and said, Simon, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes. And when he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said, see, Simon always knew more than Jesus did. He always did. He said, you're the preacher, I'm the fisherman. Okay, come on. Listen to what he said. And when he, and, and, but Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I think it's foolish, he said, I'll let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. Now listen to what happened to Peter. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus hadn't said one word about sin, hadn't talked about, to Peter about anything like that. But you know, when Peter saw the miraculous power of the Son of God, he became convicted of his sin. You know, I grew up in Baptist church, and I'm a Baptist by conviction. You know, Baptists, are, we believe in the priesthood of the believer, so we can, we've got a lot of freedom there. And I do believe in the miraculous just like you do. But I tell you what, all my life, it's kind of made me sometimes uncomfortable. And a lot of people I've been around, it made them uncomfortable. And because we couldn't understand it or explain it or control it, it, it almost made us uh, kind of shy away. Well, you know, there are a lot of fakes out there and there are a lot of phonies and a lot of things that people say are miraculous aren't miraculous. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. But you never let the phony or the false keep you from the genuine and the real. Amen. You never let the phony and the false keep you from the real. And so let's just be honest. We, we don't experience the miraculous every day. We don't see it every day. But when God, we cry out to God and God intervenes and intervenes the natural and does the supernatural, we need to rejoice. And that's why Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Only believe. All over the world, the miraculous occur, occurs among believers almost every day. But I guess in America, where we've been saturated with religion, the unbelief is so great that there are many things that God would do, but does not do because of unbelief. The Lord showed me something in this passage about unbelief that I want to share with you. I'd never thought of it, never heard it. In these three stories, I see the three big hindrances to unbelief, to miraculous. I see the three big hindrances to the miraculous in these three miracles. Now, the first one was this. In the first eight verses, there was a man... All we know about him was he was called the demoniac of the tombs of the Gadarenes. And this is what it says about him. Number one, uh, they had caught him before. 
and put chains on his hands and shackles on his feet. And with supernatural power that came from the devil, he had broken the chains. And a number of people, it says these words now, you can go read Matthew, Mark 5, had tried to tame him. That's the words. And many people had tried to tame him. But, but nothing worked, and he was still in the tombs, and he was still cutting himself with stones and screaming and hollering. And you know what the problem was with the people? And this is one of the big hindrances to the miraculous. It was a too hard a case. Listen, are we, are we going to try to reach that guy out there in the tombs? No, you don't understand. It's too hard. Oh, they've tried before. They broke the, she broke the chains. Oh, there's a lot of people have tried to reach him. Uh-uh. Do you know, there's some of you sitting in this place that you need for God to do the miraculous in your life or in the life of one of your loved ones or in a situation that you're in. And you need for God to intervene. But the devil whispers to you, it's too hard. It's just too hard. It ain't going to happen. You don't know that background on him or her. You don't know where they come from. You don't know how hard they are. Come on, man. You, 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 you're talking about, I gave up on them a long time ago. I mean, they're just, I'll be frank with you, they're just too big for God. They're too hard. But you know, Jesus didn't think that at all. He just walked in there and talked to that guy and said, what's your name? He said, Legion. He said, I got many demons in me. And Jesus told them to come out of him and they cast out. And the demons begged Jesus. I don't know why he let them get in the pigs, but they begged him to let them get in the pigs. Well, the pigs ran down the hill and drowned themselves. Somebody said they committed suicide. I mean, I don't know. I never have understood that as part of it. I've never understood that part of it. But it doesn't matter. Because the people came out of the town and they couldn't believe it. He was sitting there at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Now I want you to listen to me very carefully. The next time the devil whispers to you, it's too hard. That's too big for God. That cannot happen. You tell him he's a liar and that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's hands are not tied. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. I look at many cases. And I have to tell you, unbelief comes up in me. And I says, oh God, I know you can do all things, but I'm not sure about this one, you know. Now, you're not, this, you don't sound like, I know you believe me when I tell you something, so I won't even try to lay a foundation. I got a text this morning. It's on my phone. I'd like, I'll be glad to show it to you if you want me to. And in the text, this person said, I'm afraid. I'm scared. Are you ready? And he said, I'm cutting myself. And I'm afraid I've cut myself too deeply. This morning. Well, my first reaction is, my, this is too hard for God. God was putting me to the test. 
He, he was putting me to the test. I mean, just before I came over here. So I texted him back and said, well, it's the devil. And I'm going to rebuke the devil. I'm going to come against him. I'm going to pray for you. And, and, and I'm telling you, uh, in my heart, I was thinking, well, God, you're going to intervene. Because I refuse to believe it's too hard. Because I'm telling you, you're an awesome God. You're the God of all flesh. And nothing is too hard for you. But you know, you got the other case in this fifth chapter. The demoniac, well, it's too hard. And so we get unbelief. Well, then, Jairus came running to Jesus and said, fell at his knees, on his knees, said, Jesus, my daughter's dying, come. Well, Jesus said, okay. But now on the way, get this, on the way, in the crowd was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. We all know the story. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had spent all, and the doctors couldn't help her. She had spent all. She had nothing else, nothing left. And in her heart, there was a mustard seed of faith. She said, if I can touch him, I believe that he can heal me. And so here this woman who had, for 12 years, had tried everything. She pressed through the crowd. The Bible says she touched the hem of his garment. And the power came out of Jesus and touched her and healed her. And you know, Jesus knew virtue had gone out of him. He said, well, who, who, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, this is a crowd around you just pushing you. In this crowd, do you want us to tell you who touched you? And he looked at the woman. She said, I did. And said, I want you to know when I touched you, I was made whole. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. You know how we would have looked at that case? With the demoniac, we said, this is too hard. <laughs> it's teeth too far gone. But... With the woman with the issue of blood, we say, it's too long. Twelve years. Twelve years I've been praying for her. Twelve years I've been asking God to heal her. Twelve years she's gone here and there, and she's, not, she's worse today than she was twelve years ago. Brother Fred, it, you, you don't understand. I've been praying and believing God for 12 years. Now, what else do you expect? It's not what I expect. It's what God expects. And you know he expects you to believe him for the miraculous, even if it's been 12 years. It's been too long, Lord. Great prayer warrior that fed all the, uh, all the orphans, George Mueller, prayed for some people for 40 years. And when he passed on to be with the Lord after 40 years of praying for him, some of the people he'd been praying for 40 years just kept, kept getting saved and kept getting changed and kept getting transformed. Hey, you know what? Unbelief, unbelief. I'm telling you, it, 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 it ties, you can't tie the hands of the living God. But Jesus said, I, do, I did not do many things there because of their unbelief. 
And he told Jairus, he said, do not be afraid, only believe. And so we cannot let the enemy put in, well, it's too hard for God, and it's been too long. It's not going to happen. If it was going to happen, it would happened six years ago. So why don't you give up and just quit? But then there's the third one. It's too hard, the demoniac. It's too long, the woman with the issue of blood. It's called unbelief. And then it's too late. They were going to Jarius' house, and somebody came running up to Jarius and said, Don't, It's too late. It's too late. Your daughter's dead. And, Je- and that's when Jesus <laughs> looked at Jarius and said, Jarius, do not be afraid. Only believe. Now, you know, Jarius. There had to be in him, but Lord, it's too late. It's too late. She's already died. It's too late, Lord. I guess we'll just turn around, go back, and I'll go on home, and I'll have a funeral. It's too late, Lord. But Jesus said, no, you, don't, you, you just don't be afraid, only believe. And so they went. And he didn't let but three disciples go with him. I think it was Peter, James, and John. And they went and got to the house, and everybody was crying. The Bible says they were wailing. It's all in Mark chapter 5. They were all wailing and all this stuff. <laughs> and Jesus said this. Uh, Everything's going to be all right. She's just asleep. Well, the Bible says in Mark 5, they ridiculed him. They said, this guy is off his rocker. I mean, I mean really, they just ridiculed him. Now, let, let, let me tell you something. In many cases, it's not like it's too long, but the devil will say to you about a situation that you're praying about and that you're believing God for, it's too late. It's too late. It's not going to happen. It's too late now. She's dead. It's too late. It's beyond God's help. Now, that, that's, that's nothing but unbelief. You know what I say? As long as a person's breathing, It's not too late. And it isn't. But sometimes we just say, well, as far as I can tell, it's too late. And that becomes a barrier to faith. Let me just tell you this. You never seek the miraculous. You seek Jesus. Amen? Somebody says, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to seek miracles. Well, the devil will give you miracles. That's where you get in trouble. But you believe God and you go out and you love people and you preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you pray for people who are in need and who need a miracle from God. And as you go on your way, believing God, praying telling the gospel, loving people, along the way, God will do the miraculous and God will get the glory. And I long to see that. There's a lady here today that a few, about two months ago, she had been, had this rash all over her body and she couldn't sleep and everything that touched her stank was stinging her 
And, and we prayed for her. <laughs> and I want you to know, she's 99% healed, praise God. She canceled the trip to Birmingham. I mean, you say, Brother Fred, that, that's the miraculous. That's the miraculous. God did that. Everything else had failed. And I could go on and tell you other story after story. But listen, it's not a matter that we say, well, I, I, want, I, I want to have a miracle work in church. Or I, I want to work miracle. No, no. That's exactly what the devil would want you to do. He wants you to keep your eyes on Jesus and to believe in him and trust him and never be afraid for God to do the miraculous. Don't let fear. I can't understand it, Brother Fred. It's not Baptist. Give me a break. All I want to know is it New Testament. Is it in the Bible? There are many things that God would do among the Methodists and the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Presbyterians, Pentecostals and everybody else. If we would seek Jesus, seek Jesus and follow Jesus and obey Jesus and glorify Jesus and live a holy life, then we'd see God do the miraculous. But God's not going to do it through somebody that's living an unholy and an unrighteous and an ungodly life. He ain't going to do it. I've had people say, well, God used me to work a miracle. And they was mean as a snake. I said, I tell you what, I don't believe that was God. <laughs> they just live in a wicked life and say, oh, God's doing the. Come on. You know what we need? We don't need just to have church. We need when we gather to exalt and worship the Son of God. And we need to believe God for the miraculous. Anybody that comes into Luke 4.18, we need to believe that the presence and power of God will be so great that Jesus will be so real, that he'll be so real that the only way to explain what happens in people's lives at Luke 4.18 is God. The only way we can, well, that's what God, it's just what God did. It's just what God's doing. And if you expect God to do something, he will. If you're not afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe.